When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. We had an incredible run in the NCAA tournament, our second in a row under Coach Bruce Pearl. He promised us we were going to get there, and we were going to get there consistently and he proved to do that with this season despite all the struggles here now when you and i looked at this breakdown in the in the conference or excuse me not the conference but the bracket it didn't look very favorable and you, you and i were not looking for auburn to go too far in this tournament if we were really honest if at least for me I, if i remember correctly you weren't too optimistic about it either no not at all you know this was not auburn's best draw i thought that auburn the way that they had played in the in the SEC tournament had played to a four seed, and you know, with with me living in Jacksonville, Florida, and with the Jacksonville Veterans Arena hosting the first two rounds in this regional, that's what I was hoping for. I wanted my team to come to me. I've got free parking downtown. You would have come and joined <laughs> us, and, yes, and it would have been a huge party down here, and. and in Duval, and that would have been so much fun. And <clears throat> again, Auburn gets kind of the short shaft by the the location. You know, Salt Lake City is a tough place to travel to when you and it's a tough place to play in when you've got some elevation changes. That's something that a lot of this team is not accustomed to. So to to go out there and and play the way they did and to come away with two big victories was huge and you know when you looked at this new mexico state was going to be the hardest game mm-hmm. early on that 512 matchup historically does not go the higher seeds way auburn was the only five seed to advance it statistically was not supposed to be auburn and they they tried their hardest to give that one away and there's probably still a rut at the sports bar in downtown jacksonville from where i was pacing the entire <laughs> last two minutes um, there's but, a plaque up there in honor of you running. That. <laughs> uh, I wish, but you know, when you get by New Mexico state and you see that your prize is Kansas and the number one program in college basketball, at least historically wise, then you've got North Carolina, a number, number one, another number one program in college basketball world. And somehow you're able to destroy both of those teams with the best basketball that Auburn has probably ever played in the hundred plus years of this program. And surprise, surprise, your consolation prize is to play Kentucky. Somebody you know, that, the team that just destroyed you throughout the season. The team that destroyed you twice, well, destroyed you once, kind of beat you down and, you know, kept you at arm's length another time in your home arena and you were able to beat them again and and to finish that game off 
might down your best player. You know, that those four games, especially those last three games, will always be remembered as, you know, the the three best games that Auburn's ever played in their history. It's going to be remembered as an amazing run. And they they kept putting up graphics and stats during this run that I want, I can't remember it exactly. Maybe you do, but Auburn was only the second team in NCAA history to beat Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky in the same season. And I think the previous one was in the 80s and, for, and Villanova, who ended up winning the title. Yeah, I think and, you're right. you know, Auburn was in really good company at that point. And just what an amazing run that this team went on. And the, those four, those three wins and that fourth one against New Mexico State just will, will always be cherished by Auburn fans and this team. And I think the way you need to look at it is this way, too. New Mexico State was the reminder of how far we've come. That was a reminder that the team that lost to Kentucky wasn't there. They had every excuse to quit. They had everything going against them, you know, whether they were poor calls, just bad luck, and they didn't quit. And they rose to the occasion when it mattered most. And quite frankly, I, I think, we all agree on this at this point. New Mexico State was completely underrated at a 12 seed. They shouldn't have been a 12 seed. They were a lot better than that. Maybe, maybe not like we're talking five seeds, but we're talking, you know, probably should have been a single digit seed. Uh, but that's neither I mean, here nor there. They were point. a 30 win team. They absolutely right. should have been a better than a 12 seed. Right. And it just seems like the committee, for whatever reason, if we just put our orange and blue glasses on and complain for a second, just wanted Auburn to lose. When you, when you give them the potential to, 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 have that happen against New Mexico State, have to play Kansas, potentially North Carolina, potentially Kentucky, potentially Virginia, potentially Duke if everything had just gone perfect and, and chalked the entire way. But somehow, some I, I remember Clint sitting watching that happen during the Kansas game, and I said, this, this just isn't real. This is a dream. And then it happened against North Carolina, and I, I like, I, I am, I'm having a hallucination. This is not Auburn. Ba- Auburn basketball is getting your high hopes. I'm going to start singing. And then they just no, fall don't. to the ground. And now I'll stop singing. <laughs> and then they just fall to the ground. But it just kept happening. And then you lose Chuma Okiki. What a dagger. And that, if there was an excuse for an Auburn team that had struggled during the regular season, that had you know lost the perception, the darling of college basketball at the time, that type of perception. If there was a time for them to lay down and quit, it was against Kentucky, and they just didn't do it. They were not done. It was time to hashtag do it for Chuma. Um, So a very sad moment for us as Auburn fans, but also a little bit of bittersweetness to this as well because, you know, they had to go on, and we don't want to lament on this too much, but we went to our first Devil Final Four, and that is something to absolutely be celebrated. Bruce Pearl is the first coach to ever get Auburn there. And people, you know, I had people saying, uh, coming up to me on the street and saying, is this the first time Auburn's ever been to the Final Four? And I was like, I just don't, Auburn, Final Four, that just doesn't compute. It was incredible to experience that, to have people finally looking at this orange and blue shirt or hat that I'm wearing all the time and be like, oh, okay, well, I bet you're happy right now. Yes, I am. Uh, So I I do want us to celebrate the Final Four. Um, But I guess I do have to ask this question uh, you know, there were some controversial calls in that Final Four game, and or no calls, whichever way you want to look at it. 
Has your perception changed at all of the outcome of that game, or has it remained the same, Clint? It's it's tended to change. I, I was pretty steadfast early on in it, it, it doesn't matter, and you should move on. I, I'm still holding that. I do think that there are better ways to kind of worry about how this game went, but the more I see it, the more egregious the missed calls were and yeah you know yes you can and you should be upset with how the auburn virginia game ended and i do think that it tainted the the turn i think it tainted the final four and it you know i I don't want to say that it was an illegitimate championship but it just left a, a cloud over the tournament and that's not what you want as a student athlete as a team, that's not what you want as the NCAA. You know, you don't want that there at all. And, you know, if you watch both, if you watched all three games, and especially the championship game, I, I think that there were more egregious calls. There was one in particular in the championship game that was so much more egregious than anything that happened in Auburn, in the Auburn game. And it was the you know, two, you know, about two minutes left of the game te- or, you know, Texas tech is really playing to keep this game tight. They, they had a chance to, to go up a basket, I believe. And the call on the court was off Virginia and somehow, some way they were able to use the replay system and abuse it. They, <clears throat> it was the most, non-indisputable video footage I've ever seen in my life. They said that the you know the very tip of the guy's pinky barely grazed the ball and now the ball the call was overturned and it's off Texas Tech. And that was just the final nail in the coffin, really. And yeah. Yeah, I don't like the way that the Auburn game ended. I still do believe that Samir fouled Kyle guy. Um the double dribble should have been seen by somebody, but to to say that that was the worst call in the history of basketball, to say it's the worst call that happened in Minneapolis, I think is is a little short sighted because there were worse <laughs> calls and it was incredibly upsetting personally to to see them finish the season like they did with that call and of course i know that they don't they don't play it like that they don't expect it to go that way but to and you know i just don't think that that was the right way to finish and again it's just more of a dark cloud personally that i think is hovering over this tournament and of course anytime you have a team that loses the fans are always going to be upset about it we see it all the time that you know they'll show up on social media and say whatever but i saw i did see a lot of auburn fans doing that kind of thing in in regards to you know virginia shouldn't have won the title kind of kind of comment but i saw a lot of people not connected to auburn and not connected to texas tech who were saying very similar things there was an uproar in you know, the SB Nation Bleacher Report kind of kind of websites that called the Auburn-Virginia game unacceptable to have ended like it did. And 
you know, yeah, the fans are going to be upset, but when it extends beyond the losing team's fan base is when you have the problem. And that's exactly what this ended up being. Yeah, I do agree with you that there is a an air, a a just a bad feeling overall by the way this tournament ends. Um, whether it's the Auburn game or the Texas Tech Virginia game, uh, it, it does lend itself to the conspiracy theorist that you know the NC the, the biggest one out there was that NCAA wanted Virginia to redeem themselves after being the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed. Um, it really does give credence to those type of theories but you know the reality is that's that's not happening it it's there were some interesting things that i would say um probably would never happen in certain other situations but all in all the main thing that you need to take away from this as auburn fans is despite how it ended the frustrating way it ended it doesn't negate what auburn pulled off and the fact that as you brought up clint fans of teams that weren't even in the tournament anymore are coming up to Auburn fans and saying, wow, you got hosed, or you should have been the champion, by the way you were playing. That speaks to not only, not just the situation, but the respect that Auburn earned this year. You know, I think last year was about perception. This year was about earning our place and our respect in the college basketball landscape. And that's what they did. Auburn gets to their first Final Four ever. The first team ever to 30 wins. The first conference tourney title since 1986, the first win versus North Carolina. That's all the ones I have listed, Clint, but I'm sure we can keep going. There's a lot of their first, a lot of other very bad records broken and stopped by Bruce Pearl and this team. The point is this, an incredible season and one that will forever be remembered in Auburn history. And I think there's a discussion that can be had at a later date. Was this the best Auburn basketball season of all time and I don't know that there's much of a case for another one I mean there might be you know we had some great years under Sonny Smith and you know Charles Barkley and the Persons and all John Mingeltz all that kind of stuff but it, it this is an incredible season one to to be celebrated so uh, we are very proud of you our Auburn men's basketball team and the last thing we want to do before we get out of here is talk a little bit about, about some of the stuff that happens after this you know we're not celebrating a a, a championship but we are celebrating the players that were part of it, especially the seniors and those that have chosen to leave early. And let's let's start right there, Clint, with with the senior class. Uh, probably the most. There have been a lot of influential senior classes that have left Auburn through in this five years with Bruce Pearl, uh, but I don't think there's been a more important one. Bryce Brown, Horace Spencer, Malik Dunbar, and Cole Blackstock. Yes, even Cole Blackstock, the former walk-on, who gets the he's an integral part of this too. But let's start right at the top. Your thoughts on Bryce Brown, his time at Auburn what that means to you. This this was Bryce's team. This is Bryce's program at this point. And Bryce, rightfully so, has a soft spot in everybody's heart right now. And the current discussion is to that people want to see Bryce's number two retired. I have my own thoughts on that, but that's a whole separate discussion, <laughs> I think. <clears throat> um, you know, I think Bryce showed... Anybody that has paid attention to this team more than just the Final Four run, you know, like you and I have and some, some other people that we both know, Bryce Brown has shown the the transition that can be made between an immature high school student who, you know, was overlooked by his local hometown teams and had a chip on his shoulder and, and what going to Auburn 
and becoming the the cliched Auburn man can do for you. I mean, again, you look at last year, Bryce was injured, Bryce was selfish, Bryce quit in the last couple of minutes of the Clemson game, and then you turn around to this season, and that is not the same Bryce Brown that we saw this year. And Bryce... Bryce struggled in his sophomore season, had one of the worst sophomore slumps and and scoring droughts that we've seen in a very long time, and he he didn't have that that bad this season. He he was able to shoot himself out of these slumps and to to just get through it and not be a detriment to the team when he's not playing well. And you know Bryce is is surely going to be missed. His three point shot and just the way that he carries himself on the court is is going to be missed, but I I just I love seeing him this season, and again what what that turnaround in him personally that you could clearly see on the court that he had this year alone, let alone going back to his freshman season. If I may use a term that the millennials do now, making uh, myself sound super old, would you old. consider? I know, but you don't have to remind me of that. Would you consider Bryce Brown one of the goats of Auburn basketball, the greatest of all time? <laughs> yeah, I think you have to. Um, did I can't remember the specifics now, but didn't he top the Auburn three point record? And, he did. Um, like came in number two in nation three pointers or conference three pointers or something like that. Yep. You know, Bryce put his name in the record book, and and that's that's huge. There's been so much good history in SEC basketball and and even Auburn basketball. Um, while Auburn might not have the best seasons year in and year out, there's been a lot of good players to come through and and put up a lot of really amazing numbers. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that Bryce is indeed one of the best players to have come through Auburn and put on that uniform, especially in the last 20, 25, 30 years. Yep. And I think, you know, part of that discussion is, you know, everybody likes to play the game where you try to make the best all-time team in the NBA, the best all-time team in college. You know, if you try to play that game with Auburn, I think you have to put Bryce Brown in that conversation. You know, you're in the conversation are going to be the persons. There's going to be, you know, Marquise Daniels, Chris Porters. There's going to be Charles Barkley's. I think Bryce Brown has to be part of that discussion now. And I think that's what makes him one of the greatest of all time in Auburn basketball. And we will very much miss him and what he's meant to this program. The one that I'm going to miss the most, however, you know him. You know I love him, Clint. Agent Zero, my man. The heart and soul, one of the hearts and soul. There are a lot of heart and souls on this team, honestly. Horace Spencer. If nothing else, Horace Spencer created a a poster, a graphic, albeit a graphic graphic, that can be used for Auburn forever about the hard work that it takes to be a Tiger. After he got plastered on the floor, came up bleeding everywhere, and they made an image of it. They used it right away of not fighting, or excuse me, of fighting and not quitting. And, man, I think if that didn't display Horace Spencer to a T, that shot of him coming up all bloodied and bruised, that look on his face that I'm pissed off now, that is the Horace Spencer that I love. He never, I think, realized the talent that a lot of us expected him to, in in some ways, in some ways he did. But he found his spot on this team, and I think those are the type of guys that are irreplaceable. 
Yes, you, I, you can't replace a Bryce Brown, but you cannot replace a guy like Horace Spencer who sees his role and seizes it. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. That Horace is probably the backbone of this team, if he's not the heart and soul. Um, he was one of the toughest guys on the court. Um, you know, he, he's not the biggest, beefiest guy in the world, but he, he's the kind of guy that I want on my side if I were in a fight. Yep. Um, just... Again, the 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 growing from freshman to senior year, just like Bryce, is is amazing just to look at for Horace. And he came in with you know some of the biggest shoulders I've ever seen in my life. He he always looked like Samus to me with just these big <laughs> round shoulders. And you know, yeah, I think we all expected him to be you know so much more than what he ended up being. And I don't think that that's a fair assessment of Horace. I, you know, I think that that's probably some unfair uh, expectations back then and just him not playing into that kind of role. Um, right. You know, he, he struggled a lot to find that role. And, and we've seen guys in the past do just like that. You know, uh, Jordan Granger for one, had had a lot of trouble finding a role until Bruce came along and and put him in one and um, a couple of other guys come to mind. Horace is just the embodiment of things aren't going your way doesn't mean you can just give up on it and and I just love the intensity that Horace plays with and and I just imagine him bringing that same intensity to just almost anything that he he's going to do the rest of his life whether it be work or his his little boy Avery or or whatever it may be just Horace is a guy that you don't want to get in front of and you don't want to be on his bad side. Well, and Zion Williamson learned that uh firsthand because he was the one of the only people to remind Zion that he is still human and that will always I'm sure be in one of his favorite memories and you know Horace for me is going to always be part of a list of you know not necessarily everybody's fav- favorite players in terms of their contributions, but I just had those players that I connected with. Horace is going to top that list for me. You know, that's a list of Sinindrum, Simeon Bowers. That's going to be Rasheem oh, the Dream Barrett. That's going to be Mama Do. Nobody loves you like your Mama Do, Injai. You know, I just, there were those players that you connect with, and everybody has one. Though he is going to top that list for me. I will miss Agent Zero. Uh, let's run through this list a little bit quicker here. Malik, not out of, you know, res- we obviously want to give them respect, but we are running a little bit long. Malik Dunbar. If if Bryce is the heart, Horace is the backbone. My gosh, Malik is a muscle. Uh, I've never seen a man just be so rude and, and disrespectful to people on ducks. Um, so much so that it apparently has caught the eye of NFL uh, players and coaches and staff members. Uh, apparently, the rumor is that Malik is trying out to be a professional tight end. Um, please tell me I'm not dreaming, Clint. Is this true? You're not dreaming. Um... I don't know all the details. The The things that I've heard is, like you said, a tight end for the Patriots. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's the most <laughs> Patriots thing in the world to, to do something like this. But, you know, you and I talked yesterday and, and thought that Malik might be a little too small to do that. But dude's listed at 6'6 six, six and 230. So I think he's right on line to be a a pretty decent tight end. Um, he actually posted on Instagram yesterday, him at the Auburn football 
practice field in helmet, cleats, and gloves. So I, I'm very interested in watching this and see how this playing out. It is. Uh, I think that's the way you um, describe Malik's time here is interesting and in a good way. Uh, he was always the guy that put a smile on people's face, whether it was singing uh, after a win or in between, you know, halves or something like that. He was the guy that came in and gave an energy boost. Uh, the it, it, the guy's just an incredible human being. Just to be honest with you, I don't know him as a person. I think he's got a little I'm bit just, of a man crush on him. But I mean, now if you talk to Jessica, that's that's a whole different story. She's you know that she's got her man crushes, and I get Cam Newton's up there for her, Malik Dunbar's up there as well for her. Um, it's a little awkward for me to talk about, but Malik Dunbar, he was an incredible contributor, won the starting job at the end of the season there, and rightfully so. He definitely gave that starting lineup a shot in the arm it really needed, especially when they were struggling. Uh, so we're gonna miss Malik as well, and then you you don't want to forget. Former walk-ons turned scholarship players like Cole Blackstock. You know, it's the same. It's a similar story as the Patrick Kime. Probably not as I. Hate, I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but not as heartwarming as Patrick Kime and what he kind of meant to the program. But in the same vein, puts in the work, doesn't get a lot of the spotlight, but he gets noticed in his senior year. He gets the scholarship, and I my hats off to him as as a former walk-on. I I know some of what he's gone through. I didn't go through four years uh, of it. Here we go like again. He, I'm I'm just saying I can relate to the guy. <laughs> I would never be able to even stay on the court with Cole, but I'm just saying I understand the type of sacrifices he had to make just to be able to be on the practice squad, and I'm I mean, extremely appreciative of him to him. It's it's hard to to have these kind of segments and talk about the walk-ons and the guys that don't get a whole lot of playing time because we don't know them like we know these other guys, but and that's why it tends to come off as a broken record of these guys put in great hard work. We're happy that they got the scholarship and, and so on. And, you know, you're not going to have a Patrick Kime all the time, you know, especially on the scout team. But, you know, these Cole was another one of these guys who, you know, like you said, put in a lot of great work and was able to, to, to help this team do what they did. It's, it's hard to, to be a scout team. These guys are basically impersonating different players every single week, multiple times a week, and and trying to give the the offense and the defense, the main guys playing, a good look at what to expect. And that's that's hard. And that's why these guys do such an important job. It is a very important job and one that, you know, rarely gets recognized, but uh, Cole's one of those that we kind of latched onto in his story and his role in building this program up to where it's now. So we're, again, extremely appreciative of Cole, of Malik, of Horace, and of Bryce. You are an incredible senior class, and you have built... The foundation was built by guys that were seniors before you, but you have continued to build upon that foundation, and you've laid a layer that cannot be undone and cannot ever be forgotten. So thank you so much, guys. The last thing we want to touch on tonight... And it's something that we'll probably come back and talk some in the off season when we can do some other episodes. Um, is the early departures, and right now the ones we're discussing are Jared Harper and Chumo Kiki. Both have declared for the draft. Both are going to be working with the agent, and I may be butchering these rules and all that stuff, so Clint can correct me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is that they both can still technically come back if they don't like how it shakes out for them in the NFL draft. 
Am I correct in the way I said that, Clint? I think so. Um, it's it's an interesting set of rules, and I think that they changed it recently that um, they can indeed sign with an agent. I'm not entirely sure of all the details on that, but they they get to go test the waters again, and I I, I the the quick reaction of people of oh my gosh these guys are gone is is obviously not the right reaction there's still a chance that they're gone there's still a better chance that they return there's only two rounds there's only 60 picks in the nba draft and it's not the nfl and it's most definitely not the mlb draft where if you're breathing that they're probably going to pick you (laughs) and so you know just you got to hope that this is very similar to what happened last year, that they go, they probably got Bryce and Jared probably got really decent feedback last year. Jared trained with Damian Lillard, who has, who just had one of the best series winning shots in the history of the NBA finals. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to go test the waters when you get the opportunity to play with, new talent you get to go be looked at by professional scouts professional coaches and 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 it's it's such a difference in world that i don't know why you wouldn't want to do this and Mm -hmm. it's it's a chuma is the more interesting piece of this having just come off of acl surgery is already walking around with ease it seems and you know the draft is, I think, next month. So it, it's. I'm really curious to see what they grade him as, and from what it, what I've seen already, that they're not really going to be hurting because of the knee injury. I think that they're still going to grade him out pretty well. So I fully expect. I don't fully expect anything. I think that both of them will come back this season, but I'm not going to be surprised if they don't. Holy crap, did you just make a prediction without being I prompted? I did. What just happened? What I think that's good reality to end this show on. Is this Thanos? Are you Thanos? Did you just snap me? Oh, no. Please don't bring that into this. <laughs> you know I had to bring it in. I'm um, still not going to see it. Look, folks, I know this is an Auburn podcast, but if you can, you need to dog Clint on social media about going to see Endgame. Do it. Now, you have your call to action. Um, <laughs> I-, I will say this. I agree with you that people tend to overreact, but let me play devil's advocate a little bit for the casual basketball fan, especially especially those that are now just getting into it. And, and that's, I don't say that as a judgmental thing. I just say that people who don't follow it as closely as we do. Your initial reaction is, oh, crap, our best players are going. We're going to suck again. I understand that because that's been the perception for Auburn basketball for a long time. So I understand the little bit of uh, worried about it. But even if they do go, and don't come back to Auburn this season, or, or one of them, or whichever that is. Auburn's got a lot of talent. They build a foundation. They've got a great coach. You're going to be in good standing for a long time. Now, I will say this. Jared Harper, the way he left, made it feel less likely that he's coming back. Chuma just kind of gave the, the I, I feel like I want to test the waters, but maybe I'm coming back kind of thing based on my injury and all that kind of thing. If you... You're saying you are feeling comfortable that Jared Harper and Chuma Okiki are coming back next season. I'm, I'm not getting my, I'm not getting my hopes up that they're 
coming back, but I'm also not being concerned at this point in the process. And there's still they're... there's still a a long time that these guys have to to make the decision. And again, if I'm Bruce, if I'm a coaching staff of really good players, I want you to go test the waters. I want you to go get paid for what you're doing legally. I want you, <laughs> Thank you to <laughs> go to go learn. I mean, if you're a teacher, which is what coaches are, and your players say, I want to go learn more, and I want to go learn from a different source, not a better or a worse source, just a different one, you know, things said different ways by different peoples can be, you know, interpreted different ways. And that might just be what these kind of players need. I want you going out there and doing this thing. So I'm not Mm -hmm. upset at all that players are doing this, that Auburn players are doing this. I mean, Auburn's had basically one guy in the past 10 years that could even sniff at this, and that's KT Harrell. I mean, Kitty Gabriel, I think, also tested the waters, but he's playing overseas. And I think Kate, uh, KT is as well. But, you know, getting into the NBA is, I would imagine, statistically the most difficult in terms of the professional league. Again, right. there's only five guys on the court at a time. You probably only dress out 10. I don't know the rules very well. There's only... 30 teams. It's not the NFL where there's 32 teams, a 55-man roster, and 10 more guys on a practice squad. It's not Major League where you dress out 25 and you've got another 150 in the farms. And yeah, go play your chances. Go play your cards. There's no complaints from me here. You know, obviously I want them back uh, to be part of another great run at Auburn. Uh, men's basketball, but uh, it does mean a lot of good things. And I think as Auburn continues to succeed, hopefully under Bruce Pearl, that'll become the norm and fans will start reacting to this less and less. So we'll be back hopefully in the off season to talk about this a little bit more once we know what they're doing officially, if they're going pro officially or if they're coming back and we'll be able to discuss some roster and when schedules come out, you know, this isn't the end of inside the jungle just for the season, but we'll be doing plenty of that other kind of discussion in the offseason, but what a 2018-2019 season, one that will be remembered for the ages, and one that I am so glad that I got to spend with you, Mr. Richardson. Before we get out of here, let's give our contact information. They can find me on Twitter, at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can contact me on Twitter, at TigerEye24, and discuss this Marvel stuff. I don't get it. Please don't come to me. (laughs) But if you have interesting things you'd like to discuss with me, you can contact me at ClintAU24 on Twitter, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at auburnuniforms.com. Hashtag get Clint to the end game. We're going to start it now, folks. Let's get Clint to the end game. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?